0: I'm Alexander, I'm Simon, and I'm Tony, and we are very much knee-deep in tech, and this is episode 76, recorded on the 18th of June, 2019. The rumors of my death was exaggerated.
1: Unfortunately.
0: Unfortunately, the man says, yes, you just want my fame and fortune. Well, my fame is very limited, and my fortune is even (laughs) more so. I am back on my feet after having uh, enjoyed a bout with pneumonia even though it's probably going to be about 3 months before my lungs are back to normal but no longer is Barry White teaching and uh, talking so i'm i'm kind of happy to have my voice back anyways
1: yeah you still have a a, a good it's a bit voice. of a whiskey voice yeah yeah
0: yeah i know but i think that's that's part of the fun <laughs> and another interesting thing that happened Pretty much as soon as I got sick, the world exploded. <laughs> I mean, I could talk for days about what's happening in the Power BI sphere and acquisitions from here to nowhere. And you guys have a lot of to, to talk about. So shall we just jump in and see where we end up?
1: Yeah, sounds yeah. about right. Let's and, do that. And since it's about two weeks since we last met up, I think we uh, we have some catching up to do.
0: Oh, we definitely have some catching up to do. I'll, I'll, I'll stay pretty brief when it comes to Power BI, <laughs> as but, you usually do. As I usually do.
1: But where they, the notes is saying Power BI Desktop update huge.
0: Yes, it is definitely huge, and there, there are there are two aspects of this. So the Power BI Desktop update for June was it was it was big, but the um, the really interesting stuff came out at M BAM. Microsoft Business and what's the conference name? M- management
2: or something?
1: Oh, um, Business Application. Business Applications Sum- Management
0: Summit. Yeah. yep. So Aaron Ulag, who is the General Manager for Engineering, he uh, took to the stage and explained a lot of new interesting things that come out. And one of the biggest ones is a uh, do-over of the whole um, look and feel oh, both of the Paria Desktop but especially the um, the service and it all moves towards the Fluent design which yep. I think Simon is very happy with
1: absolutely I, I love Fluent
0: mm-hmm. and then we have a ton of new things everything is, is becoming generally available paginated reports is now generally available which pretty much ties the whole thing together so we now have Power BI is is kind of ready to take over where reporting services was before. Yep. With paginated reports, you can do pretty much what you could do with an on-prem reporting services. However, paginated reports is still premium only. Yep. And I'm, I'm eagerly waiting for information to hear if that's going to change because it's a bit of a blocker today.
1: And, and why is that? What's your take on why it's premium only? Um.
0: What I've heard is that it became somewhat difficult to port it and they wanted to have something that was premium only. So part of it is technical, but most of it is is probably a financial.
1: So it, it it doesn't have anything to do with the organizations that have been using analysis services, reporting services. Sorry, which one was it? Reporting services. Reporting services. It's not anything to do with that that those organizations were the ones that bought SQL Server on prem for a huge amount of money and then no. they want to transition to something new rather than looking at it from the perspective that new organizations may not need reporting services capabilities in a cloud only environment.
0: That's that's an interesting view on things. And I'm 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 pretty sure that you hit the nail on the head with that statement that, that cloud only don't necessarily need pic, uh, pixel perfect reports, nope. um, so that that might be one thing sure. But there are a lot of companies today that use reporting services, and you don't need a, a an enterprise license for nope. that. So it's it's a bit of a serious hit because yep. again, it's a premium only, and premium is very very expensive. One thing that as a complete game changer is what is known as shared and certified data sets. Up until now, you could only use one data set in one uh, report. So that yeah. means that if I create a data set and I want to share this data set with you in your report, unfortunately, you're going to have to duplicate my data set. Yep. And this has some interesting implications if I update my data set but I kind of forgot about yours. Yep. Your data set is going to be uh, exhibiting incorrect numbers, right? With a shared data set, I can create the data set and you can base your report off of this data set. Yep. And I can also say this is a certified data set that I certify as true or, or good. And then I, of course, I, I need to keep yep. on top of it, but I can, I can certify it. And whenever you go to search for data sets, you can see a small logo that says this is a certified data set so
1: that's a good thing so would that make it possible for organizations that may have data that are of public interest to share that data so would a company or an organization or even a governmental agency be able to publish their data set using this technology and make it Searchable.
0: No, not using this because this is within the tenant only. It is between workspaces, but it's yep. within the tenant. And I don't think that you would want to share it that way. I would probably go for some agnostic format such as CSVs yep, or, yep. or Parquet or something like that. Yep. But it, it's, it's a good question. If you remember what I did in Stockholm at Ignite the tour, when I channeled my inner Christian Wade and showed the uh, trillion row demo, that is completely based on aggregations. So the question is, how do you manage a trillion rows in Power BI? The answer is you don't. Because you aggregate the data and thus you don't toy around with a, a trillion rows per se. And aggregations... Are coming in July. They are going generally available in July, and this has been, um, this has been been. Um, what's the word? Verified? No.
2: Highly, highly requested.
0: Oh, definitely highly requested. But Microsoft <coughs> has said, said that this is is going to happen.
1: Oh, then it's verified. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or confirmed. Confirmed was the word I was looking yep. for. Thank you very much. And we have enhanced data flows compute engine and it's kind of quicker, 20 times quicker. And this is a a pointer towards the fact that the data flows engine, which is based on Power Query, Power Query is coming to Azure Data Factory and Power Query is probably going to be its own module that basically does data manipulation inside of Azure. So that's going to be a huge step forward. Then we have the whole AI stuff Arne, the
1: whole AI stuff Yeah, Arne, I've heard about it well, most people have
0: Aaron <laughs> told, told people at the, the summit that there are so many AI capabilities coming and if you want to do your own AI stuff that's a premium only thing but you can today use three AI visuals that leverage the AI platform underneath and you don't even know that it's, it's, an, it's an AI thing So, take the key performance, or um, I can't remember what its name, um, key something something driver that explains why a number looks the way it does. So, so on and so forth. So, so many exciting things in Power BI. It is absolutely huge. And not only from a technical standpoint, but from a Take, for instance, my, my session that I'll be doing at um, Data Grillen this yep. week. I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to have to update it because suddenly with shared data sets, we have a whole new way of sharing and, and keeping track of data, yep. which immediately impacts how to implement a um, Power BI project. So, yeah, I, again, I can talk for days and days and days, but that would be unfair to you guys.
1: <laughs> so, let's keep talking about your stuff. Oh. Uh, because there, so over the, the last weeks, we have seen one acquisition mm-hmm. and one partnership. Mm-hmm. And both of them were a bit out of the blue, to me at least. Yes. So, the acquisition was all about Salesforce buying Tableau which is one of the primary contenders to Power BI.
0: Absolutely. And for $16 billion, just wanted yeah. to add. Yeah. And th- yeah, that's that. definitely, um, depending on w- how you look at it, um, one of the biggest issues that Salesforce has had has been their completely non-existent visualization. And, uh, wh- wh- which,
1: is wh- which makes this makes total sense since you would like something like Salesforce to give you great visualization of the data you have in Salesforce, absolutely. It, it's yeah.
0: So th- that's a, that's a good fit. It's going to be interesting to see how this affects Tableau's standing in the quadrant. Yep. Because it's Tableau, it's Microsoft, it's kind of sort of Click. Yeah. But that's it. That's yep. that's the contenders
1: in the magic quadrant. And this must be interesting from a Dynamics perspective as well. How do you mean? Salesforce and Dynamics must, at some points, compete with each other. Sure. So now Dynamics have had Power BI mm-hmm. or some kind of integration or visuals from that. Sure. And now Salesforce gets Tableau. So you have two contenders in each corner. Yep. Um, which and will be interesting to see if Salesforce will just keep tableau on the side or yes. if the only way to get tableau moving forward would be with salesforce
0: and i would i would guess that the latter would be a bad move yep. as tableau has a huge following that has nothing to do with salesforce nope. and it is an amazing project project product on its own yep so but but yeah i'm i'm very curious and it's always tricky when there are acquisitions what's going to happen to that product because we have all seen amazing products get acquired yep. only to be scrapped yep so yeah that's and, and like anyway.
1: like i say in their announcement uh, sales was an acquisition that combines the number one crm with the number one analytics platform
0: yeah depending on <laughs> who you ask but sure it, it is are no, they,
1: do you mean they are biased uh, no, no 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 God, no no, no,
0: no. <laughs> Just like us, we are completely unbiased. Yeah. The other one connecting Oracle and Azure, the Oracle Cloud and Azure. Yeah. I did not see that one coming.
1: No, and to me, to me, it's interesting. It must be a, a real, a real customer ask. It's a huge customer that have requested this uh, because it's only as far as. I can see from the blog post, it's only available on the U.S. East Coast. Yes. To one Oracle Cloud data center. Correct. So that must mean that there are very specific request in that region where you have, like they are, as an example, a web application deployed in Azure can talk to an Oracle database in Oracle Cloud. Mm -hmm. So do you have any insight as former Oracle guru. Why would you run Oracle on Oracle Cloud and not run Oracle in Azure? Because you can run Oracle in Azure, right? You,
0: I know you could, and I'm pretty sure that you can do it uh, if, if you want to pay the licensing fees. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd guess it's the licensing fees. Yeah. And with the Oracle Cloud, you get pretty much the same Goodies as you get from Azure when you run Windows, yep. you get from Oracle when you run Oracle Cloud. For instance, the um, uh, there are a lot of, of extra stuff underneath the Oracle database machine, the Exadata. You have access to, um, uh, what's that's the name? Uh, several Oracle-only things that kind of makes it a good proposition if yep. you want to run an Oracle workload. You should probably run it in the Oracle Cloud. Yep. And keep in mind that I am not very impressed with the Oracle Cloud. But again, I think that's that's reasonably. It, it
1: feels very niche.
0: It's it's niche. It's very niche. Yes. And I think that's that's the the main issue with it because yep. Oracle don't see it as niche. Yep. Nope. But yes, I if you have Oracle only work work. Um, loads, then definitely look at the Oracle Cloud because you can, ah. and th- this is a weird discussion, but you can actually save money Yep. if you put your Oracle stuff in yep. the Oracle Cloud.
1: And they are also talking quite a lot about in the blog post about running SQL Server on OCI. Oh, really? And that additional Oracle workloads will become officially available on Azure, even though it's already have a number of applications, operating systems, and databases certified for Azure. Reasonable. Yep. Cool. So, I want to know more about something that will die.
0: (laughs) Cue me then, right? (laughs) That that was one of the more interesting segues that I've ever heard in this show.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so just recently, Microsoft has announced that the on-premises server for Azure MFA is going to die out, (laughs) so to speak. So, as of July 1st, it will no longer be possible to do new, de- new deployments. Exactly.
1: So, when, when will the existing support run out from it? Oh,
2: that's a good question. I don't think I actually saw a date on that. Uh, there might have been something in the blog post, but uh, I will have to get back to you yep. on that in that case. But uh, officially, 1st of July, it is no longer possible to do new, new deployments. Yep. So, existing ones will still be around for a while at least. Yeah, and what will this mean for...
1: Because what does the, the, it mean? Yeah, what does it mean? Because this <laughs> has been the way to get Azure MFA for on-prem applications.
2: Uh, yeah, because it's really a, like a standard radius installation is what the actual MFA server was. Yeah. Uh, you could do a few extra things with it as well. And it was the way to do Azure MFA uh, from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, But then, you know, you got the cloud version instead, uh, included in Office 365 and Azure Portal and Azure AD and stuff like that. So that became the new standard way of doing things. Um, But still, Microsoft, I suppose, they recognize that people still need RADIUS functionality for on-prem stuff, uh, but still like to utilize uh, Azure MFA. So uh, they released the uh, network policy server extension. Uh, ah. I think it was like two years ago or something yep. like that. So you have your NPS server running on-premises and then you install this NPS extension and you get connectivity to
1: Azure MFA. Ah, so that, that's the way to do it instead of having the server. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's not as flexible as the previous nope. uh, server was, but it gets the job done. Yep. So that's something good to know as of July 1st. Absolutely.
1: And then I I just saw this other service that popped up on Twitter, but it makes so much sense and it's probably one of my favorite features. Yep. Uh, I think I have a pretty good idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh,
2: uh, And I can absolutely agree. I thought it was a very good feature as well. Um, I'm not sure how much requests there have been for this feature, but now that it's here... Yeah, it definitely should be on top of that list. If we're yeah.
0: talking Bastion. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's the one, Azure Bastion. So it's a new resource that you can connect to your uh, virtual net in Azure, which makes it possible for you to connect to your VMs with RDP or SSH without using a public IP address or even using a VPN tunnel.
1: Yeah.
2: So you connect directly to the Azure Bastion instead, which then connects to your virtual machine. Just basically a jump station
1: for RDP and SSH.
0: Yeah. The thing is, I was teaching AZ103, that's the Azure infrastructure course, last week. Yep. And one of the biggest things in that course is to discuss infrastructure as a service and the requirements of the VNets and VMs and stuff like that. So this came up. We need another much smarter way of accessing our stuff because who in their right minds want to put, 3389 open to...
2: To a public IP, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's a disaster.
0: And as soon as I was done, this time the data center in Amsterdam didn't fall over, (laughs) but they decided to come out with with Bastion instead.
1: Yep. Hmm. Uh,
2: But however, I'd like to just note that uh, once I saw uh, the blog post about this, um, I logged on to my portal, of course, and tried to check it out, how it works, config it up, uh, test it out. Uh, and it was not available. Ah, so not yet. searching for a Bastion in the West Europe data center, at least, gave absolutely nothing. So I suppose that they are still rolling this out and it is not globally available as of yet. Right. But uh, keep
1: your eye out for
2: Azure Bastion.
1: And I can also say that the official blog post is gone. What? Is it now? I get a 404 error.
2: So if I refresh this page, it will disappear. No, oh,
1: it can be a Swedish one. Let's see. Oh, this one is still here at least. From the buildazure.com. Yeah, and that's not the official one. The official one has been removed. There you go. <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens. Interesting. But it's not there anymore.
0: Quite interesting.
1: But the, the buildazure one is still there. So I wonder what, what really happened.
2: Yeah, but then again, I think the at least for Atia, the Office 365 services have been a little bit shaky
1: this morning. Yeah. So that might have to, something to do it with it. It might have something to do with it. So I think this is my part where I'll throw random news at you and yeah. see what you think. Release the Simon. First and foremost, let's go back to something completely non-Microsofty Worldwide de- Developer Conference, Apple.
0: And how did we end up here? Okay.
1: <laughs> we could talk about Minecraft AR.
0: Let's keep going.
1: We could talk about iPad OS. Let's keep going. We will talk about Mac Pro. Right. Or the She's Grater. <laughs> um, I want that screen. But for crying out loud, it's a very expensive computer. <laughs> It is. And I,
0: I I vividly remember us ranting about the Surface Studio <laughs> when that came out. And suddenly it didn't seem so expensive anymore.
1: No. <laughs> o- on the other hand, the Mac Pro is significantly more extensible and way more powerful. CPUs. Yeah. Eat that. My watch has twenty five CPUs? Yeah, of course. What? Oh, sorry, was it ours?
0: yeah that
1: was fun <laughs> no, but I think uh well well developer conference, I think that there there of course, there are many interesting things, but it's obvious, and I think they even said it at one point that they really are trying to get back as an innovative company mm-hmm. and I think they're failing still. I'm <laughs> well, maybe bias in this, but come on. I th- I will will probably love iPad OS. I think that makes a lot of sense, and it will be a competitor to Surface Go, as an example. Chromebooks, Chromebooks, absolutely. But I I, I no, and I like the rest of the world that they are charging that much for the uh, stand for the screen.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, now, well, was that actually a real thing? Yeah.
1: yeah I think you're paying like. It Was well, nine ninety nine for a 999 stand? $9.99 for a stand, dollars, where you just purchased a screen for four thousand dollars, give or take. Yeah, yeah. E- regardless of how beautiful that screen is, because it or the stand, mind you, or the stand, it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, because I never actually saw the official, you know, numbers or the, you know, ads or anything, but I just noticed the internet pretty much blew up with. Yep. Like memes and stuff about uh, Apple selling a stand for a thousand dollars. Yep. So, so you're telling me that was a real thing? Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, sure, that's sure absolutely was, bananas. Sure. bananas.
0: Most most of the really good weird stories are.
2: Yeah, well, that's Apple, and that's weird, and uh,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so, speaking about interesting things, uh, we got a new technical preview for Config Manager a week ago, 1906. And David James, who is the principal program manager, I think his title is for Config Manager and Intune, said that this these last 30 days between 1905 and 1906 may have been the most uh, productive and um, the, the highest leap or the longest leap they've taken between two technical previews in terms of features and technology advancements. Okay. Which doesn't say little since Config Manager is developed in a speed that, again, is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, And there are so many good things. And I think, again, the release notes for 1906 takes 19 minutes to read. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I know we discussed this last time as well. So those
2: guys are really on fire.
1: Yeah. And there are so many great things. Um, One of my favorites, of course, support for Windows Virtual Desktop. So support to manage a multi-session Windows Virtual Desktop using Config Manager. Oh! And the challenge previously have been that if you have, say, 200 users on one machine, every single user of those would, without this feature, have received their uh, user-targeted policies, apps, and so on, which isn't really what you want. That will degrade the performance. So now, by default, if you install the Config Manager agent on a Windows Virtual Desktop machine, it will block user-targeted policies. So that's something that you need to remember, and you can allow it to do so, but you need to think about the um, potential performance losses that you will gain from that.
0: That's an interesting tidbit right there. Yep.
1: So that will be interesting to see how that actually works. Yep. Uh, we also now have R back on folders, which may not sound as a huge thing. Wait, what? R back on folders. Whoa! So instead of needing to tag every single thing in the console, so this is for Config Manager, um, you can actually set an RBAC policy on a folder that contains apps, as an example. Yep, which make will make things a lot easier in terms of how to design, how to change things as well. Uh, so, as so I, I really, really like that.
2: Yeah, and I suppose those are inheritable as well. So if yep. you move from one folder yep. to another, you will yep. get the new ones. Yeah.
1: We also have received uh, a new ability to have multiple pilot groups for co-management workloads. So co-management is where when you connect Intune standalone to Config Manager and you can then move certain workloads. The usual things are uh, conditional access, patch management, Windows Defender management, and so on. And previously, we only had access to one pilot group. So you have had to pilot all machines in that collection for all workloads. Now you will be able to set one specific pilot group per workload. So if you would like to have a separate group for we want to move Windows Defender Management to Intune, you can have a separate collection for that. And you can have one separate collection for moving conditional access which makes testing a lot easier and uh, makes it a bit more uh, flexible to ensure that you get a good user experience.
0: Yep, sounds reasonable. Yep.
1: And a lot of other cool things. Of course, um, I won't even start read the blog post. It's uh, quite interesting. And I know that there are many, many more cool features coming in later previews, and as well in the upcoming uh, release of Config Manager. So 90, the official 19.06 release.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: So what else do we have?
0: Oh, we again, we can go on for days and days and days. We we only have like two more minutes.
1: Yeah. So then I would like to say what I did last week.
0: What did you do last week?
1: I spoke at two Pluralsight events. You did. Pluralsight Connect in Stockholm and Copenhagen. And that's one of the best things I've spoken at, I would say. S- small events still, but a lot of very interesting people there. And so I was one of the speakers. IKEA was the other one and then Pluralsight. What I- IKEA is doing to ramp up their technology skill set is just mind-blowing. They are currently about 2,000 people working internally at IKEA uh, Global so global Digital, I believe the new department name is. And within one year, they will hire 2,200 more.
0: Within Bas- a year?
1: Within a year, in Sweden alone, where basically. You, where,
0: where do you find 2,200 people? Exactly.
1: And that's what they are doing. They have a completely reamped way of training and reskilling, upskilling internal people as well as external ones coming into IKEA. So I I would encourage anyone that gets the opportunity to listen to IKEA and what they are doing in terms of technology transfer, if you get that opportunity, because that was a really amazing um, session. And I spoke about what we are doing internally with Eratea, uh, at and I even received a quote <laughs> it's not often I quote myself but this is actually a very good quote one of the things I said in Copenhagen is that the mindset we all should have should have in regardless of which organization we're working in sharing should be the default so the more we share regardless if that is with a competitor a customer a partner or internally that really grows the organization as such.
0: Yeah, the whole, the rising tide lifts every yeah. boat yeah. thing. Yeah.
1: So to share more, and I think that's one of the great things about all, especially Swedish, I would say, but also international organizations that H&M, IKEA, Sandvik, whatever it may be, are sharing what they are doing with technology, even though they aren't technology organizations or seen as technology organizations as such is really inspiring and something that i think we that are in it could learn a lot from
0: oh i i I agree completely there are so many things that we can learn and they can learn and everybody can learn and learning is good
2: absolutely and on
0: that and on that (laughs) and so on and so forth yes it is time to end the show and Speaking from experience, I will not even dare to say (laughs) when we'll be back, but we might be back next week. We
1: might be back next week.
0: Yes. So thank you very much for listening and see you next week. Take care. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.